LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. This is the 300th episode. 300. Voices that you hear. Daniel. Daniel M. And the infamous gangster, Eric Geiger. I'm back for 300, baby. 300. <laughs> and a person missing from the podcast, uh, OG. Apparently, he was supposed to be the original. He was the original OG. I was going to give him OG. <laughs> and he left us hanging. He did. Something about children and being a responsible parent, blah, blah, blah. I, I heard he didn't want to hang out with me again. Well, we, we want to protect your feelings, but I, <laughs> that's kind of it. Dude, I, I live in uh, Southern California. People don't care about my feelings anymore now. Really? I had this, listen, bro, I had this lady at church like two weeks ago. I actually shared the story uh, in, in a sermon this weekend. So I, I feel like I can tell you this lady wanted to, to meet, wanted to meet the new pastor. And so uh, she came up and she says to me, this is after a service. I still have one more to preach. She says, you look so much better far away than you do up close. <laughs> <laughs> that actually happened. That's wow. Just, that's very I'm like, insightful. gosh, I'm thinking, we don't have to talk up close. This is crazy. <laughs> that's incredible. I know. And did it just end right there or did it? Did she go on? We, we, uh, we, we changed. I just did a screenshot. That's what that noise was. We, uh, she, um, uh, talked about something else, but yeah. yeah, it was pretty, pretty fascinating. It was humbling, very humbling. <laughs> Sang to fine. That's yeah. awesome. Well, so today for the 300th episode, we're actually, we were, Todd and I were debating if we should have special 300 questions or not. And, and we were actually thinking, Hey, it actually be fun for all of us to answer the five questions <laughs> because I don't think we've really done that. No. <laughs> we've always talked about leadership topics, but for this to, be a time where we talk about the five questions would be a fun way to celebrate 300. It would be. So basically you guys have the brilliant idea that we should talk about it ourselves. <laughs> well, it's 300 and it's a time to, you know, reflect and well, I don't know. <laughs> and we just haven't it, done it before. No. So and part of it was so, glad we're so well prepared for the, th- for the three hundy. <laughs> I cancel means for three hundy and basically <laughs> instructions are talk about yourself. Yes. Pretty much. And no. we are all curious as to how life is going out in Southern California. True. So you get there. to ask, you get to answer, actually, not ask. You get to answer the first question, and this will be important okay. in light of your new role. Who are you currently learning from, Eric? So the biggest uh, recent learning, as you know, I've, I've always been a, a big reader a big reader in recent years, but uh, the biggest learning source in the last three months, which would be my first three months here, has been the pastor emeritus, the pastor before me, Ken Shore. So just a lot of lessons I learned from him, not only about pastoring, but about um, being, a, being a dad and a, and a husband. He's, he's incredible. So this last Saturday night would be a, an example. I, I, I gave him the message and, and after service, um, I said, man, you got a couple minutes? And we just went in the back room and he gave me feedback, which was like 80%, man, this was great. This was great. This was great. And about 20%, Hey, you should consider this. So it was real time coaching. And it's, that's, that's, that's been a lot of learning really fast just because he's been available and willing and, and, um, 
and I respect him. So it, it's, that's gone, that's gone really well. That's been some good learning. Um, so I was reading, Oh, which book was you were that? reading Todd. Congratulations, Todd. No, I'm no, so no, impressed. No, no, no. I'm trying to remember the book cause I would like to reference it, but it was talking about, um, the, the difference between transitional coaching and development coaching. So break down, um, for, in learning from him, what is, cause you're obviously in transition, right? Still in transition there. So, um, what's the, what's the breakdown and how he's been, you know, helping or what you've been learning? Is it more transitional or more developmental or a little bit of both? Yeah. Can you give me the, um, the definitions that in the book, how they differentiate between transitional and developmental? And then I can answer it better. Mm, I wish I could. I can picture the bullet points in my head. Yet I do not remember the bullet points because it was a recent thing. I'm assuming that transitional would be, hey, I'm helping you adapt to the culture here, and developmental would be, I'm helping you become, yeah, you know, better leader. So, uh, I think it's probably fifty-fifty. I think uh, like this Saturday night was all about helping me. And then, but then there's times before that he's given me insight into the, to the culture of the church, but also the culture of Orange County. So I think that those would be, would probably be considered transitional. Right. Right. So maybe 50, 50. That's good. How about you, Daniel? Who are you learning from? Uh, I'm doing a lot of broad reading, uh, typical reading that I wouldn't be doing otherwise, uh, just because I'm, I'm working on my book right now. So uh, I just finished up a chapter on uh, on actually talking a lot about narcissism and how that affects <laughs> leadership. So I came across and, and specifically it was about parenting, right? So it's this idea that you are who you raise and, and, and that a lot of times the way that you parent, I mean, it's, it's, it, it comes down to narcissism and it, and it comes down to, hey, I want my kids to succeed and it's not actually about the kids, it's about you. So there's this one book that's been a fascinating read. It's called The Narcissist You Know. And as I've been working through this book, it's just been it's just been fascinating to see. I mean, narcissism is a continuum is it's a continuum, but just how much all of us struggle with this and how that comes out in our parenting. All of us struggle with being narcissists. Yeah, well, it's this fact of there's it's kind the, of like this thing called a sin nature pastor. <laughs> like, the, like I think Augustine said that the that pride is the the mother or father of all sin. So is that essentially like, hey, all of you struggle with narcissism, and your kids are going to be as narcissistic as you are? Yes, it's that baby bundle of sin you talk about. So I'm really uh, I'm really glad it took you a whole book on narcissism to conclude <laughs> that we struggle with pride and that our kids are going to emulate the level of pride they stay in us. <laughs> well, part of so it, I, no, 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 okay. I, that's going to be, that's going to be an amazing chapter in your new book, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. That's man. You're so encouraging. That's great. Uh, okay. So, so let me, let me unpack it. <laughs> so let me unpack it a little bit more. I mean, part of it is when you think about, Hey, or, or even if you think about, okay, why are parents so obsessed with their, kids doing well? And why are, why are parents so obsessed with, um, you know, there's, there's obviously the fact of, hey, you want your kids to do better than you, you want them to succeed, you want to set them up. But even when you look at the fact of, 
okay, how, how much are we actually preventing them from experiencing the challenges of life and, and the hardships and, and learning from the school of hard knocks in that way? And, and actually what, what prevents us from sometimes, and this is fascinating that they found in the research, is that when parents do that too much and when parents try to live out their dreams via their kids, it's actually a lot more about them uh, not only not only trying to do things that they never actually accomplished, but in ways that they were shamed and in ways that they fell short from their parents, they're actually subconsciously trying to do that, live it out through their kids so that when their kids succeed, it's actually, yeah, I'm going to celebrate you, child, for doing great, but it's actually them celebrating themselves for accomplishing something they never were able to do. Yeah, that makes sense. How about you, Todd? Okay, I'm going to get a books too, um, unfortunately. Uh, because I would really love to be able to say, hey, I learned this from Eric Geiger, but he's not here anymore, so <laughs> I can't do that. I used to learn oh. from the guy. Uh, I'd learned a little bit from his Instagram feed, but nothing that's useful here. Um, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> he's, he's, yes. Okay. Uh, a beautiful constraint. So how to transform your limitations to ad advantages and why it's everyone's business is it's of course business book. Uh, it's by Adam Morgan, not the MTV Adam Morgan that some of you older folks may know. Um, but it is really about how, you know, when we have unlimited resources, which is what we think we want, it actually subdues our creativity and it actually mm. uh, subdues the need to, you know, develop new solutions that are innovative and effective, honestly. So it's basically saying, hey, unless you put constraints around yourself, you're actually likely to do less and have a, a smaller result than if you have unlimited resources. So in light of where we are as a society, first of all, but especially in light of the church, um, where, you know, we often think, oh, we have too many constraints that, okay, we'll flip the script and actually use that to your advantage to be, you know, more creative uh, and, and more innovative by taking those limitations and turning them into something different and not looking them at as something that oh, I have to, I have to do this and only have this much to do it. But okay, well, what was the original purpose anyway mm, of yeah. what I was doing and how can I achieve that in a different way? And it's basically no, that, saying I, I love that. often the yeah. innovations come through that. And I know Eric um, from podcasts past, you know, we've talked about different staff positions that we thought were absolutely necessary. And then for whatever reason, those had to be eliminated or somebody was transitioning. And then as it turned out, more ministry uh, was given away and more ministry resulted as it, you know, as, as that absence left. Um, where, whereas we thought, oh, we were constrained by this. Now, no, actually, by actually having less resources or a, a different, <clears throat> I guess, position there, not having a position there led to more yeah. ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I like Daniel's answer, but I think yours is a little better on this, on this question. No offense, Daniel, but the, uh, uh, I mean, I like your learning better because it's, of course, it's reinforcing my confirmation, but it's confirmation bias. But the, uh, I don't want to hear that I'm a narcissist. I want to hear how I can, uh, how, how I can scale something. I do, um, love that, that, uh, that quote, Todd, that you're talking about because 
it does remind me sometimes people will say, Hey, this, um, this strategy, I think it applies to not, to not only resources, but strategy. So if you as a leader give a very clear strategy to your team, there can be some that say, gosh, this is just going to limit my creativity. But what you're saying is no, 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 some, some constraints actually should foster your creativity and your innovation that they, they shouldn't stifle them. Right. Right. And it's going to lead even to greater innovation. I mean, you know, that the problem that you're facing, you're, you're looking at the problem in the wrong way. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a, it's a really good framework. I mean, even if you don't read the book and you just grab it for the frameworks in it, it's, it's yeah, solid. that's good. That's awesome. So Eric, uh, the second question is what's the main point of emphasis for your leadership team right now? And I'd love for you, as you get into this question, just to talk to us about the leadership changes that you've been through and, and just catch our entire listeners up with, with that and then get into the question. <laughs> yeah. So I've moved to, uh, Orange County, Southern California, uh, gosh, three months ago, beginning of September. So I uh, have been here just a little bit over three months. So still very, very new. Uh, came into a, a very healthy church, a very healthy staff um, and great, great leaders. So did not come into a situation that required turnaround leadership, but a situation that allowed me to, has allowed me to learn and, and listen and, um, and understand the, the culture. At the same time, there, there's this uh, tension that we face as leaders when you go into a healthy situation, which is Mariners, the church is filled with um, entrepreneurial people, visionary people, um, not only for the, for their discipline and their walk of life, but also for the kingdom. I mean, there's great kingdom-minded people here. Love the church. They do, and I do as well, the, the, the values, the DNA of the church. So when people ask, hey, uh, Eric, at some point, when are you going to share your vision? Uh, here's the here's the tension that vision is always associated with change. There's no there's no vision without change. Vision results in new or it results in change. So the um, I guess the focus now for me has been and for my leadership team has been um, renaming and uh, rediscovering the values and the mission that is deep in the culture at Mariners. These are things that we're going to be. And then from that, what, what's, what, what's going to be our vision for the future that we're going to run after? That's not a shift from our values, but at the same time, it's going to be a vision. So how, how do we articulate the vision as being uh, an overflow and a next iteration in the life of Mariners as opposed to uh, feeling like this hard right turn? Mm. So that's, um, that's, that's, that was the last meeting I just left. That was that conversation. So Can that's I, what's fresh in my head. Yeah. I want to ask the question of how are you exegeting those values from the culture? Yep. <clears throat> 35 years ago, Kenton came here and he brought five values and they have been in the culture. Uh, they've been preached and celebrated for, you know, 35 years. I'm sure uh, they've been preached and celebrated at different levels and different um, paces and just like all, just like all of us as a leader, there's times I've talked about the vision more than there's than other times. And so, but there are, there are some values in the culture that have been there and I have not come with a new set of values, but have said, Hey, let's relearn these. So I've given book assignments for each of the values and I've, and I'm bringing in uh, outside speakers or myself speaking on each of the values and 
basically relearning the values together so that the mm. team understands, oh, that's how, that's how Eric reads that. That's how, that's how Eric sees that value. Oh, those are the verses that, that Eric uses to articulate that value. Um, so I'm learning the value by walking through it, but, but, but I'm, I'm believing that the team is likely also learning, um, the value through the, through my lens, uh, as the new leader, as we walk through this. So is your hope then to add or take away values or are you just going to keep those five, but, but relearn, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. For now, it's just to relearn them. Mm-hmm. I, at some point, I'm sure I could articulate them and may articulate them differently, but that's not the priority right now. I can't, none of those values do I see going away. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe we would add a value, but um, they're, they are in the, they're in the culture of the church. So I, to take one away, it would be to rob um, the culture of something that formed the culture. So I don't, I don't view, I haven't thought about taking one away. I've thought about, is there anything missing that I'd want to add? Or I've thought about uh, how, how will I articulate these in years ahead that builds on the past, but also is, is language that I would, that language that I would use, you know? Mm. By contextualizing or recontextualizing those values, you're actually reshaping vision. Um, I hope so. We're only a couple months in, but but that's the that that was the hope. And you're a smart guy. And, and I've tried to do it alongside uh, Kenton without because I'm really just pulling back. You know, he's led so well for 35 years. So how do I? I want to honor the past, but also. I mean, no, no one here on the team wants to live in the past. Kenton doesn't want us to live in the past. So, but you have to understand wh- uh, what formed the church where it is now. That's good. Yeah, that is good. And actually, it'll be fun. We should just start, stop, skip. We should just keep skipping us. And just- <laughs> oh, you're crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it'll actually be fun to to be out in California with Eric again, though. Oh, that's right. We've got this is- uh, Pipeline Coach. No, no, no. Blueprint, blueprint coaching. Blueprint coaching happens. And this is actually the event. Is it named after Jay? Is there a Jay-Z album blueprint? I don't know. Maybe he named it after this. So I don't have we shared blueprint. this? I think we we shared this in Eric's farewell episode. Maybe. How last year's pipeline, Orange County, is what kind of kicked off <laughs> the whole transition for Eric to move up to Southern California. That's true. God. That was our fault. That is right. Oops. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for getting me here. And we're actually going to be with you. Uh, right. It's March 14 and 15. That's going to be fun to to be together. And, and it's, it's actually going to be a, a pretty similar event if you're out in Orange County where we're going to have main stage speakers as well as moving in between coaching. But the whole right. thing is going to be around leading change in your church. It's actually going to be implementing change yeah. in your church. Because yeah. I don't want people to just think this is... A con- I don't even like calling it a conference. We shifted more into the coaching model. Yeah, it's more of coaching, which I love. Um, I mean, I'm going to be doing a main session, but the main the benefits aren't the main session. It's the it's the collaboration with other leaders in similar s- scenarios and smaller groups. That's what I love about it. That's good. So that's March 14 and 15. You can go to leadership.lifeway.com slash events, or you can text the word blueprint to triple eight triple one, the number triple eight triple one. All right. So uh Todd, why don't you go next? What's the main point of emphasis for your leadership team? Or for you? I don't know. You could ask you can answer this question <laughs> and see how that's going, Daniel. Uh no, I mean for you know, for the luckily for me, um 
I get to lead a really, really good team. So two of those people were just out with Eric, um, you know, looking at the venue and whatnot. And so I'm praying uh, constantly and consistently that the Lord does not call them as well to Orange County. I, I did not make any hints. Right. I would not jack them uh, from you, Todd. Unlike the time that you tried to hire oh, one of one of. Again, I should have known. I shouldn't have walked in. You that. brought it up. You I brought did. it up. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the main point of my leadership right now, uh, emphasis right now, is really saying, you know, um, so originally Eric brought me to Lifeway to open up a new leadership development area, a leadership area for Lifeway. Um, and uh, Dr. Rayner had this kind of um, idea, vision for an online tool that trains pa pastors. And we, I think, expanded upon that to say, let's train churches and let's call back to days of old when we, you know, actually had um, training both discipleship and development in our churches as a regular occurrence on Sunday nights and walk people through and all these things. Yes. But let's do that in, in the 21st century and let's utilize technology. So we spent, I spent the first two or three years doing that uh, and developing grid. And then grid wasn't going exactly the way I wanted it to. And we figured out, oh, it's because the philosophy and framework that undergirds, that underlies that, that even makes that possible for a church to do, we need to help them build that foundation. And that's when pipeline came into play. And we, um, you know, started to, to roll that out. And people just really loved the pipeline content, that philosophy, that framework. And we, you know, built a conference off of it. We built a ton of stuff off of it. Meanwhile, grid was coming along and, uh, 2017, we had 405,000 people on the platform. So that's where you start to get a tipping point and we move over to a mobile first. And now, you know, a couple months ago, we had 500 churches in one month come onto that platform. And so it's really calling back our team to say, hey, you know, while this was building, while this was growing, we shifted our emphasis to pipeline. We shifted our in emphasis into practical tools and implementation. Meanwhile, the best thing that we have to deliver all of this is this thing called ministry good. So guys, we need to make sure that everything that we do leads back to this tool as a, a delivery mechanism. And from that, you know, we've seen, we've seen a lot of fruit. Um, this year when we were back in Australia, we had moved from one church to five churches and there's almost 50 churches in Australia that are now using ministry grid. That's something that's great for us. It's great for Lifeway. Uh, it's great for the kingdom. So it's really saying, okay, we, we were used to being a small team with one emphasis uh, and now we have to be a little more sophisticated in thinking about, okay, we have all these multiple things that we've started. How do these things point back to our purpose um, and our purpose within the overall vision of our organization? And that's what each ministry is called to do as well in a church. It's like, how do I contextualize the vision and purpose of our church? Uh, and so that's that's really what I'm trying to do. At that's the good. That's good. 
Last month, uh, I was up in Chicago for an exponential regional, and um, I opened up the conference for them talking about the shift from moving from being a hero. You've like shifted into a prayer voice or something. <laughs> I, was, I, I feel really encouraged, thing. Todd. Please let it continue. <laughs> okay. So it was this, what I, what I was speaking on is how do you, how do you talk about, how do you, how do you make this shift from being or seeing yourself as a hero to seeing yourself as a hero maker? And you know that quote from William Carey, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. A lot of times we use that phrase and, and we're like, oh, yeah, God, I'm going to do great things for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do mighty things for your kingdom. I want you to use me. I want you to. And, and we, we go along with that all the while trying to or maybe subconsciously being the hero, placing ourselves as a hero because it's like, it's not, it's not just that, God, I want you to do great things. I want you to do great things through me. I want to do it for you. God, I want to be the one that does great things for you. So the big shift for me is how am I continuously uh, moving from being a hero to being a hero maker? How do I come alongside others and uh, help them where they're at? So that, that's a big thing where I'm, I'm looking at everything that I'm doing and, and saying, okay, what does it look like for me to take a step back and help others grow in this area? What does it look like for me to take a step back and help, um, you know, even when we look at the five leadership questions podcast, right? It's like, hey, yeah, it's not us doing the podcast. How do we provide content that helps others where they're at? You know, when we're thinking. So even Eric, when you were answering that question about you coming into Orange County, I mean, how many of our listeners are starting new roles or about to start new roles? And they're like, there, there's that tension where it's like, yes, I want to come in with a new vision. These are the things that I want to change, but you can't change them right away. So, so yeah. Yeah. Depends on the context too. If, the, uh, if you're brought into a situation where it's a turnaround and, mm -hmm. and, Changes required right away. You do that if you're brought into a situation where um, it's really healthy and the and it's not a turnaround situation. Then, then you you need to to spend a lot of time learning. So I think the context impacts the posture of the leader. Yeah, yeah, completely. So yeah, next question: What are two or three? Or let's do this since there's three of us. Let's let's Eric do one thing. Question. Does he remember this question? No, no, I'm, 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 I like you guys asking the question. Right, I never like that. Let's do this. Instead of two or three things, let's, thing. let's do one thing. What is one thing you absolutely must do daily, and what benefit does it have for your life and your leadership? And if I were taught here, I'd say other than reading your Bible. If Todd really understood spiritual transformation, he would never say that. <laughs> That's a Sunday school answer, especially when you only have one. Okay, so for I'll, other than reading the Bible, I would say for me, because of the season I'm in now, it's it's really a, a good heartfelt check-in with Kay on on how the transition is going for her and how she feels the transition's going for for our daughters. So mm. that's um, it probably won't be uh, quite as top of mind, you know, a year from now. But but on the early days of this, that's been that's been top of mind every day. That's good. How about you, Todd? So I would say uh, when I'm looking at one thing. I have to do daily other than read the Bible. Um, I'm, I'm still going to go with intake of information. And so I've had to be more and more picky and choosy about that. But if I'm not daily taking in either at least articles, if not, you know, some book, 
uh, then I'm probably not, I don't know. I'm not, I'm definitely not going to be leading to my full potential. A big part of what I would consider my role being is, um, is learning in front of people. And that's both learning in front of my team. And that's also learning in front of, you know, Twitter and, and you guys as you listen. Um, so that's why, you know, we're constantly reading books or articles or whatever is to say, okay, I'm going to take all this information in and then figure out how it's applicable or who it's for. So sometimes I might not bring it to everybody. Sometimes I might have one guy in my, in my um, head that comes up. I read this article. It might not be applicable to everybody, but I think Mark needs to read it. That's good. Now, in, in my answer, this might sound like I'm skipping over to question four, which is what does leadership in your home look like? But I will give you a different answer on question four. Okay. All right, so question three, what is one thing I absolutely must do daily? Yes, other than reading my Bible, it's actually spending time with my kids, reading the Bible with them. So that's that's a, yeah, that's a big thing for me because whether, regardless of how how busy the day has been or or what that looks like, me, I always put, I, I, I try to most of the time always put our kids to bed, do their bedtime routine and... Uh, to spend time reading the Bible with them, to spend time talking about it with them. And sometimes when they're super tired, it's one page, uh, not of the full, you know, full adult text Bible, maybe like a Bible story. Other times it's uh, maybe the entire Bible story. Other times maybe it's a devotional and we're talking about a scripture passage. But but I find that that's a really important thing um, that, that I've been striving to do to be able to slow down and to be able to pray with them. Otherwise, I'm just going, going, going. And it's just like, okay, kids, let's, let's go to bed. Good night. And we're all, my, my whole family, we're all pretty driven to do a lot of different things. So yep. unless we have that, uh, there's not going to be a lot of slowing down that happens. Okay, I, I've got a follow-up question for both of you. Something, you know, my oldest just turned 10. Um, he's been reading for a long time and he's already, you know, read the Bible and stuff like that. But I have found now that he is not reading the Bible the way he once did. In part, I think it's because every night we all, we all read together. Mm -hmm. So at what point do you think a child should then start to read on their own on their or own. you should stop family time or is it always both? I mean, I don't ever want to get to a point where I'm not talking about the Bible, mm-hmm. but making an official part of the routine where we're all doing that together, does that end or does it just shift to a different time or environment or context? Thoughts? I'll, I'll share with you. I'll go first. Um, so I'm not doing this yet, but one of my co-pastors, because I serve as a teaching pastor at my church, what he'll do on the Sabbath for them is he'll make sure that each each everyone in their home spends at, at least 30 minutes by themselves in the Word. So for his seven-year-old, what that looks like for her is she's having a really hard time either focusing or concentrating or, or spending that entire time reading it. So she's actually just copying out and writing it. For uh, my girls' Christmas presents, we got them coloring Bibles. So part of it is I want to start that where, hey, girls, I want you to spend some time. Maybe it won't, probably won't start with 30 minutes, but I want you to spend some time reading the Word or at least coloring this verse in your Bible and thinking about what you're coloring. 
So that's that's just a quick thought on our end. Cool. How about you, Eric? Gosh, I, I'm I'm convicted even by the question because I'm kind of think it's awesome that you you're wrestling with that. I, I uh, as I'm listening to the question, I'm thinking, gosh, I, I have drifted a little bit in in the last couple of weeks on my reading with Eden. Um, I I don't know. I, I is the short answer. I I know at one time I was when Kay and I were first married, we would have devotionals together, and then at some point we stopped having devotionals together and started having devotionals separate and and. Uh, and then yet still talk and share about what each of us has read. So I, I think I'll probably just feel it out, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, I think James is reading the scripture and you, you guys are still having conversations. Um, in many ways you helping him read the scripture on his own, uh, you're not gonna be able to be with him likely in this college dorm, you know? So preparing him for the future is, is, is awesome. When, when, um, when does it stop being together every time? That's, I think you have to, you have to feel that out, you know? That's good. So, so let's, on that note, let's go to our next question, which is what does leadership in your home look like? Todd, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. Oh man. It, it really depends on the, the day and the season. Hmm. Um, meaning, you know, you're such a situational leader. Oh, whatever. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> I just do whatever my wife tells me to do. <laughs> there you no, go. Uh, All right, Eric, your turn. <laughs> most of the time, it's actually probably. really good advice because his wife's really smart. She is. We went. We both went to seminary with her. She made better grades than we did. I mean, you know. Um, no, she is. She is uh, diesel and a great, great leader. The the thing that I would say, the reason why I say situation or situational is or seasonal is because, you know, there are different seasons where we are traveling a lot. And so, you know, when you think about um, those particular seasons, it's really, it's really tough because you're, you're not as present as you want to be. And um, different seasons of life and ministry, I would think would be, it, it was similar to what I experienced in the church. So I assume that's the same for most people where, you know, you're coming up on the Christmas season, and in a church life, it just, it depends on your church culture. But most church cultures, there's all this extra stuff that happens this time of year because you've got Christmas, and sometimes you're thanking volunteers, and you're having special events, and you have feel like you have to be here, there, and everywhere. Um, so I mean, you know, it is a a balance of being present, um, and and when I say present, I don't just mean being present physically. I mean being present mentally. That's what I find most challenging. So it's it's one thing to make time for my wife. It's another to make intentional time for yeah. my wife or intentional time with my kids. It's one thing to just hang out with my kids, and I should do that, and that's fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the higher level and harder to do thing of I can easily check off the box and say I'm hanging out with my kids. Mm-hmm rather than being intentional looking for conversations yeah. for development or whatever and being intentional with my wife and, you know, helping lead there as well. Yeah. That's that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. How about you, Eric? Yeah. It, um, the, the first couple of months in a new place, leadership of my home has been just a lot of listening to each, my wife and each girl, my wife and two, two, two daughters and having, 
having processing conversations with them and pointing to the providence of God and the provision of God and all, all that the Lord's brought us into and, and what he's doing. And, and so there's been leadership in the home. I'm not thinking about two nights ago, lying in Evie's bed with her and helping her think through, um, a challenging thing she has at school. She's about to turn nine and praying with her and, and, I'm loving it. I'm, I love the age there are now nine, 11, because you, you actually are having these, these conversations that can feel even weighty and yet seeing, um, seeing them see how God's in the middle of things is really, is really fun to see. That's good. So I, I don't know if I announced this on the podcast, but we have our green cards now. Sweet. So, yeah. <laughs> which means we're That's awesome, dude. here in the States. It's crazy, crazy. So I, I bring that up because my wife and I, uh, things, I mean, what life looks like right now has, is, I mean, this past year, it's changed quite a bit. We started a podcast together and, and we, I mean, it's coming up to a year now, the one that my wife and I did. And, and it's, it's been cool to see how that's morphed and how that's changed and, and the amount of work that my wife is putting into that and how she's really come alive. I mean, her background's social work. So it's not that, uh, we had ever thought that we'd be doing this together, but it's been it's been cool to see even uh, the marriages that we've been able to uh, influence and help. Here's here's a really cool story, guys. So we did an episode where we interviewed this guy on pornography. Uh, this couple, this this lady, she shared the episode with her non Christian friends. Her non Christian friend, her and her husband, because they were dealing with stuff, started coming with her to church. And last week she messaged me saying that her non-Christian friends just accepted to just accepted the Lord through that episode. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome, man. I mean, so that's it's, legit. I mean, it's crazy, right? It's crazy to think. So, so that happening and, and my wife uh, beginning to do a little bit work, things around our, our house are pretty hectic and are, are pretty crazy. So for my wife and I, we're both, I mean, Enneagram, we're like type three achiever. We are both going for it. So it's been interesting to see how she has come alive now that she has kind of this new purpose, this new calling, this new way of, of doing ministry and us doing it together in that she wasn't like that as of even a year ago or as of two years ago. So for us, what leadership in the home looks like is, yeah, as much as we are, gonna, we are doing a lot and, and able to minister together in this way, it's us saying, okay, let's make sure that we continue to have the Sabbath. Let's let's make sure that we continue to uh, be intentional, uh, not just side by side working with one another, but Todd, like you, you know, making that intentionality of, of of connecting with one another and connecting with our kids in that way. I mean, that's the difficult thing, right? Whether you're talking about leadership or your uh, leadership development, especially, just because most of us are in the position we are because we were intuitive not mm -hmm. because we were intentional. And so we have to shift into that. Like that is, that's like, I don't know, maybe that's going to be my theme next year. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just that that I will be much more intentional with, with everything. It's a stewardship issue. It is. It is. All, All right. right. So before we get into our last question, okay. and this is our favorite question because it's always, what is, uh, what do you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? Before we do that, this month we've been featuring and, and talking a lot about the Living and Effective podcast. 
So this is a, a new podcast from Christianity Today and the Christian Standard Bible. So if you haven't yet checked it out, be sure to do that because this podcast, uh, we actually interviewed the host, uh, Rich Clark, Clark and, and it's it's neat to see the way that they're looking at scripture, they're looking at Christian history and and what it looks like and how it's been misinterpreted or and what kind of surprising answers you discover. So be sure to check out that podcast wherever you listen to it. And you can learn more about the Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. All right, last question. What would you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? All right, Eric, you, you're up first. Oh, man. Um, Put the pipe down. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Man, Todd, I did not think you're going to call me out for smoking the pipe. <laughs> I wasn't smoking the pipe, Ty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know what you'd be doing. Um, all right, 20-year-old self, I think, and, you know, it's always interesting, the, the moment. I've asked that question on this podcast of other people a lot. And I would think, I wonder what's going on in that person's life that's making them answer that this way right now. Mm. So that's true. Cause, cause you always reflect on leadership through the lens of your current, your current situation. My 20 year old self to my 20 year old self, I would say, Hey, try to gain as much wisdom as you can, but don't lose your passion. Don't lose your, um, your, your, your beautiful naivety, your, your just belief in the gospel, your belief in the church, uh, don't let cynicism in the midst of gaining wisdom, don't let cynicism, uh, rob you of that. And I think, um, cause I'd want to hear that now is in my, as a 43 year old now, I'd want to hear, Hey, hopefully you've gained, uh, 23 years of wisdom you didn't have when you were 20, but hopefully you still have the passion and the conviction and the, the belief that anything's possible hopefully you still have that, 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 that living hasn't made you cynical. That living's only helped you become more wise. That's good. Todd, how about you? That's good. Man. Um, I think I would, I would tell myself just to stop it because at 20, just stop it. Just stop it. Stop it. So at 20, stop smoking a pipe. <laughs> It is it is crazy how far in leadership in the church you can go with knowing what to say and when to say it. So I'd grown up in church, you know, basically from birth every Sunday, Wednesday, and sun, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I was at church. And so, you know, it's like I was a killer at uh, Bible trivia. Like, you know, it, it was just there. And I, again, knew what to say and when to say it. So I was basically had just become a student pastor and was not intentional. I would just show up and, you know, just pull it out of the air basically and kind of phone it in. But nobody could tell that. Maybe I thought they couldn't tell it. Maybe they could. Um, and it took I mean, okay, so basically my story, and I'm not even sure if this is, I'm going to get a little squirrely on you guys right now, but I just want to be honest with my personal experience. And I don't even know if I believe this, but this is what happened. Does that make sense? Not yet. It will. Not yet. I, I have to finish hearing it to know if it makes sense. Okay. So um, <laughs> my 
basically, uh, shortly after my freshman year, two things happened to me. One was I joined the speech team, the forensics team. If you oh, know. I knew that. Yeah. And um, my very first year, I went to nationals and got superior, which is like you, that's the highest level rank you can get, right? And so, like, I was this little star guy mm. that everybody was like, holy cow, this guy came from nowhere. He didn't compete in speech in high school. Oh, my gosh. Because I did impromptu and extemp. Uh, uh, the things that you would expect, hey, you have to be able to think quick on your feet, be articulate, speak well, put streams of thought in line, and you know, really convince people of things. So um, I got really prideful really fast, I think, with that. And I was basically doing ministry but faking it, honestly. Mm. And so this is the controversial part. Um, I feel like God took that away. Huh. Now, I remember you saying that. You, you told me that a long time ago. And I got to a point, and Eric knows this, and, and you, you mm. some of you listening know this. There are times where I have clarity now that I could communicate extremely well, and that some of that comes back. Um, but a lot of times, you know, I'm really dependent upon the Lord and it's been something that, um, it's like, I'm, it's not the fact that I'm not confident and I know things, but speaking, public speaking, uh, had become a struggle. Mm -hmm. And so I, I actually think that it's improved since I came to Lifeway. Um, but I went from being a guy who could do those things, who was used to being able to get up and preach at the drop of a hat to struggling to put my thoughts, you know, together in a clear way. Even if I had them clear, somehow, you know, they get unclear and, and all that. And I honestly think it was because um, I had really taken that for granted and actually, oh, you know, did something horrible with it hmm. um, and wasn't honoring at all to the Lord and did the opposite of bringing glory to God through the gifts that he had given me. So that's, that's, we're if getting, I could go we're back. Getting real here, man. Yeah. If I could go back and tell <laughs> yeah. my 20 year old self, it's yeah. like, you're a jack wagon. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I didn't know that about you. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, so 20 year old self. Wow. It's, it's Eric, Eric, you know, you made, you, you made a really good point as we've asked this to so many different people. I don't think I've ever really thought about what I'd say or what I'd say to my 20 year old self. I was in my final year of college. Uh, my, I was engaged. We were getting ready to be married. I was trying to discern. I, I knew God had called me to ministry, but I didn't really know where to go and, or, or what to do and, and what my next steps were all going to be. And, and we were about to move to Montreal and I was about to serve as a student pastor. So, I mean, with all that, I would probably say slow down and stop trying to be, uh, stop trying to be the hero, as I mentioned earlier, right? Stop trying to figure everything out uh, on your own, find others and, and really find not only one person, but find multiple people who can mentor me, uh, who I can really be poured into. And I mean, I mean, 
that's that's probably what I would say. Really, really spend time being invested in and to invest in others. Because uh, I think I went from one person to the next quite a bit uh, in terms of who I was leading and who I was discipling because I wanted to to do a lot. But actually, I'd say dig in a little bit deeper. Good deal. Cool. Man, good. this has been good. It's been yeah. fun. It's been very self-reflectory. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the therapy. <laughs> deep, man, some deep stuff, man. I, uh, I enjoyed hanging out with you guys again, man. Miss you, brothers. Looking forward to being with you in uh, March. It'll be fun. It's good. It'll be fun. Thanks, Eric. And just one more thing. If you haven't yet checked out the Ask Me Anything podcast by J.D. Greer and Todd Unzicker, you'll want to do that. They are a part of our network. They have been knocking it out of the park. Every single question. Man, I think we should switch <laughs> Todd's one day. <laughs> just, for, would be, just for an episode. That would be so funny, man. But we check out JD, how JD prepares sermons. That was a really good episode. Yeah, you can go back into their history. Just look up JD, ask me anything on your favorite podcasting app, and subscribe today. We'll catch you guys next time.